Hola mi gente, bienvenidos. I'm your host Lore and this is Creepy Chisme. Some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola mi gente, it's your girl Lore here with another episode of Creepy Chisme. How y'all doing? Me? I'm okay. Could be better. But you know, I think I've been struggling like with having no routine because I'm on vacation y'all. So next week, I am going to do a lot better, I promise. I just need to take better care of myself. I need me time. But the weather has been amazing, and that's always just a great mood changer. So let's see, um, what's been going on in my life? Oh, <laughs> you guys, I think I have my first online stalker. Now, it's flattering and not creepy yet. <laughs> But I know you're listening, so hello. Yeah, uh, something I didn't think could ever happen, but it did. Let's do a mental health check-in. I haven't done this in a while. Uh, lately, things have been a little hard and exhausting, and I feel like now that I'm on vacation, I'm really seeing that I have very little time for anything. Now, I've mentioned before that I am helping my brother pretty much raised my nephew and he's getting older he's about to be one I can't believe it yes and he's like crawling around getting into travesuras and oh my gosh it takes the life out of me watching him don't get me wrong I am not complaining I love my baby I love him I love spending time with him but woo, he is exhausting it's a full-time job like my brother gets home from work sometimes and I'm and he's like oh I'm so tired and I'm like yeah me too but yes I am not complaining he is the best nephew Napper, my nephew, not my brother. Uh, he is the best napper. He has been the best sleeper since day one. Because yes, I've been there since day one. And I, I couldn't ask for a better baby. But yeah, so I've been doing that and he's so cute. So it's all good. It's all good. But I'm tired. <laughs> I've also been working um, summer school, which is nothing compared to the regular school year teachers, if you know what I mean. But, you know, just making that extra little bit of scorilla. But it's fun. It's just a few hours a day. It is not stressful as the regular school year is. And it's only for a month. So yeah, keeps me a little bit busier. I told myself I was going to get back into yoga as well because your girl is so stiff. And I could really use some nice stretches and meditation. So going to get back into that. I think I've finally reached a point in my life where like I've realized that I have to do for me. Because for so long I felt like the people around me, they were growing and progressing and starting families, doing life. But I feel like it's finally my turn. I'm about to progress by finishing my education and becoming financially independent. And yes, 
The government sucks right now and it is making things 10 times harder for us to just survive. It's really sad that I have to devote one whole day of work now just to be able to fill up my gas tank. To be able to give my truck a full tank of gas so that I can go to work and repeat. Right? Make it make sense, somebody. Please. I recently saw this TikTok where this girl, she goes around the grocery store. And so the average American makes anywhere from $7 to $12 an hour, depending on where you live. Yet a bag of coffee is easily $8 to $15. So one hour of work covers your one bag of coffee. I mean, that thought process has It definitely makes me shop a lot smarter and differently now, but it's depressing. It is so depressing. And we got a nice little raise this year at work, and I was so excited. I'm like, I can finally have some extra cash to save. And I'm not joking. As soon as that raise went through, that month, prices increased everywhere. The grocery store, the gas stations, the oh. So I'm back at square one ridiculous but anyway let's do what y'all came here for but first it's time for an updater story i've recently heard so the other day while everyone was infatuated with the johnny depp amber heard case me included did y'all know that the house intelligence committee held a hearing on uaps Yeah, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UFOs, mi gente. Now, y'all can't deny this shit anymore. Our own government is openly talking, pero no tanto, just a little bit to make us excited, you know? They're still hiding shit. I don't trust the government. In this hearing, they pretty much confirm that, yes, there are UAPs in our skies that they can't explain. But they want to keep track of all the sightings and document them. They also mentioned coming up with some sort of punishment for those that put out misinformation, including all those fake videos. Yeah, so if you have one up, take it down now, y'all, before they pass something. But yeah, they showed some videos, mostly captured by the Air Force and the Naval Base personnel. Trustworthy, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, but some things I didn't like that they were talking about was so this one guy because the the government officials asking questions were complete douchebags and not all of them most of them you know kind of like in a professional political way making fun of the presenters so he asked a question why has no one asked who they are or what they want when they appear and the presenter he kind of took a deep breath and said Mira tonto desgraciado. Okay, he didn't say that, but he thought it. Like, I saw it in his face. He was thinking that. <laughs> but, I mean, he pretty much said it. So, <laughs> so he says that they can't because they're too fast to make any type of contact with them. Another thing is they kept saying that these UAPs impose a threat to us because they are in our airspaces. And that's where they do their practice runs and whatever and yeah if you're from a different country you're not allowed to be in specific areas right so it's only fair that they too wherever they come from (laughs) shouldn't be in those areas either 
So I get it, but also I don't think we should think of them as a threat because how many years have we seen these objects in our skies? And believe me, if they wanted to do something, they already would have done something. Something that I never thought of though that they talked about is that these UAPs could possibly be controlled objects where no one is actually in them, but maybe they're being controlled from somewhere else. And you know who would know that though? NASA? NASA, do you have some explaining to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't trust NASA either. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but of course they talked about the good stuff in closed session. So like I said, they'll never share everything. But it's still cool to finally hear that yes, we're not crazy. There are things in the sky that we can't explain. And I know I've seen them before. So government, if you're listening, call me up. I'll share my stories with you. So with this new information, if I ever hear someone say that UFOs do not exist, I will literally slap you in the face. So yes, I hope within my lifetime, I get to see who is controlling or is in those UAPs. That's all I want. That's all I want in my life. And I'm not scared. I'm not. They have been watching us from who knows where, coming from who knows where, for centuries, even before humans probably. And I'm just like, come on. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> Take me if you want to. I'm ready. I really am. Like, you guys think I'm kidding? I'm, I'm serious. Like, I would definitely sign up for that. Wherever you're going, I'm going to. Get me off this planet. I'm so ready. Change of pace, this story is actually pretty sad, but it's a story that I've been trying to follow, but unfortunately we live in a country where our dark-skinned babies don't get as much coverage as white children do. So it's been hard to find details without having to like super search for info, but, but in summary, on April 17th around 7.30pm, someone was mushroom hunting, okay, in a wooded area in eastern Washington County, which is in southern Indiana, I think. And while they were searching for mushrooms, this individual found a hard shell suitcase with a Las Vegas design design on it. You may have seen this surfacing around TikTok, Facebook, um, especially if you live around this area, Chicagoland area, because they're trying to find out if anyone recognizes the suitcase. So the hard shell suitcase, yeah, it has like this Las Vegas design on the front and back. This is another of my worst nightmares. I don't know if I'd open it. I pulled you guys to see who would open the suitcase and it was pretty even. Y'all, y'all are crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I would open it. Yeah, I might miss out on a million dollars being in there, but I also don't want to find what this man found. So he opened, the, or they, because I don't know if it was a he, but they opened the suitcase and, so scary dude, inside they found the body of a young black male. Now the Indiana State Police released a statement shortly after stating that the boy was in good condition. He was clean, healthy clean teeth, clean clothes, very odd. And they asked for any tips, but even after numerous tips, they found no lead to who the boy was. Now it gets weirder because later toxicology reports show that the boy died from an electrolyte imbalance. So pretty much he was dehydrated, which also mostly 
most likely caused a viral gastroenteritis, which if you don't know what that's like, it's pretty much an infection in your intestines that can cause pain, cramping, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, all that kind of stuff. Also mostly caused by dehydration. The police also noted that there was absolutely no traumatic injuries to the boy. Therefore, there was no anatomical cause of death. Even so, police do think that the boy was not alive when he was placed in the suitcase. They concluded the boy was about five years old and no one has yet to come forward. And last Wednesday, June 1st, the unidentified boy was laid to rest following a memorial service where the police chaplain called the boy unknown angel. So sad. And very odd, because to die of dehydration, it, it could have been an accident, right? An accidental death. But how can no one? This child, obviously well-groomed, well-taken care of, came from a family. And you're going to tell me not one person in that family can put two and two together? Like, I don't get that. So something suspicious, definitely, with this. Then I think, you know, obviously this family, because somebody knows. Obviously, this family has the reason, and I'm not sure what that is. May you rest in peace, sweet boy. Okay, mi gente, it's time to get creepy. When I tell you I was nervous to even put this episode out there, I am not joking, y'all. I am still contemplating putting up this episode. <laughs> But then I remember that my job is to inform you so we can learn and be aware and hopefully stay safe and not be so trusting to people. Now, I've mentioned a few big serial killers before. Um, I think the Toolbox Killers, Richard Ramirez, Ed Kemper, Ed Gein. And I talked about how in the 70s and early 80s, there were a lot of serial killers out there. Even at the same time, in the same area, for example, Ramirez and the Hillside Strangler, right? Crazy. Crazy time to live. Now, we don't really hear much nowadays, but maybe because it's almost become normal, as odd as that is, to hear that a body was found. Why doesn't that scare people anymore? A freaking body! And yet we all just go on living life amongst a killer. I mean, really, that's what we do. So crazy. They don't release to the public much anymore when bodies are found or discovered. And what I've discovered recently is they also don't share much that there are still active serial murderers among us today. Now, the other day, the question, are there active serial killers today, popped into my head. And I was sure I'd find stories of either like unsolved murders or missing persons but what I found was way more disturbing. Now, I want to give a huge warning here because after researching this, I could not sleep for a few days. Still having trouble. And honestly, it's, it's just sitting in the back of my mind. So if you suffer from major anxiety, I promise I won't get mad. <laughs> I will not get mad if you don't listen. I am warning you now, folks. Okay, so what I discovered is yes. There are active serial killers out there today, right now, as you are listening to this. And I'm not talking like recent. These killers have been active since the 90s, sometimes 80s. 
it's terrifying to think about and it's going to get crazier when you find out where they are most active. I warned ya, if you're brave enough though, keep listening. Ladies, gentlemen, and anyone else listening, would you be surprised to know that on average in the US alone, there are not 10, not 20, not 30 or 40, but at least 50 active serial killers today in the year 2022. 50. 50. Did you hear me, y'all? My lord, 50. That is not what I expected to look up and find. Okay, if you're new to the true crime world, first of all, hola, welcome to the dark side. I can't do it. I can't. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I was going to do the evil laugh. <laughs> One day I'll get it and I'll surprise all of y'all. Anyway, <laughs> this is what makes a serial killer. So by definition, it states that a person who commits three or more murders within a month or so, with each crime not linking to others, so separate murders. Why does it take so long though to figure out that there is a serial killer at large? Well, the main reason is because it takes a while to piece together a pattern. Most times, murders are committed by someone with some type of relation to the victim. However, serial killers most times... They'll choose their victims at random and they have absolutely no relation to them. So it makes it even more difficult to find them because police can't really, you know, put them together, tie them to the victim. So that's why usually when and if they are caught, they already have murdered more than one or two, if not way more victims. So let's take a look at some serial killers that are active today. Now, I'm only going to mention just a few because like I said, there are average about 50. So first we have one that you may have heard of. I actually have not heard of this and I don't know how. I think I have heard of him by a different name because he has a lot of names. So we're going to start with the Long Island Serial Killer, also known as the Gilgo Beach Killer or the Craigslist Ripper, which I think is the name I have heard. Now, this person is responsible for somewhere between 10 and 17 women, also one male and a baby. Yeah, they think. Now, most of the victims' remains were dumped along the Ocean Parkway over a period of 20 years. So how did police discover this killer? Well, in 2010, the so I hope I pronounced this correctly, the Suffolk, Suffolk County Police Department were conducting a search for a missing woman. Her name was Shannon Gilbert. She was 24 years old and a known escort from Jersey City. Now, in May of 2010, she went to meet a client that she met off of Craigslist in Oak Beach. So an off-duty officer named Malia and his German Shepherd a few months later after the, the woman went missing when searching the area where she was last seen. Now, they did find something that cold December day in a burlap sack. They found the skeletal remains later identified as a woman, but not Shannon Gilbert. This discovery led to a huge police search between Gilgo Beach and Oak Beach, as well as the area of Jones Beach State Park in Nassau County. Three more female bodies were discovered dumped along the dunes and the thick vegetation that lined the road. Four bodies had now been found in close proximity and police announced 
a possible serial killer situation. Now, by January of 2010, the bodies were identified. They identified Megan Waterman, age 22, from Maine, missing since June 2010. Maureen Barnes, age 25, from Connecticut, last seen July 2007. Melissa Bartholomew, age 24, from New York, missing since July 2009. And Amber Costello, age 27, from New York, missing since September 2010. All women were escorts or sex workers who had advertised on Craigslist. The remains of these women were found in burlap sacks and autopsy showed they all died by strangulation. By April 2011, four more bodies were discovered. One was one mile from the others and the other three were about seven miles away from the others. These four bodies were not in burlap sacks and were missing pieces. Of these four, only one body was identified. She was identified as Jessica Taylor, age 20, from Manhattan, who had been missing since 2003. She was also a sex worker. However, she was missing her skull and hands, but they were later discovered at Gilgo Beach. The other bodies were only identified as Jane Doe number 6, a possible prostitute who was dismembered, a John Doe, who is an Asian male, also possibly a prostitute, killed by blunt force trauma. The fourth body was that of a toddler. I can't believe this. Somewhere between 16 and 24 months. Now, baby Doe was found wrapped in a blanket with no visible signs of trauma. Due to this fact, they assumed that baby Doe was not related to the other murders. In April of 2011, the search got more intense and they started branching out to the surrounding counties along the same road. Now, a set of partial remains were found and a separate skull. Later that same month, police find human teeth in another area, but they claim that the thick vegetation made things a lot more difficult to search through and almost impossible. These remains are still unidentified and known as Jane Doe number three and Jane Doe number seven. Now, Jane Doe number three was linked by DNA to the baby Doe. Jane Doe number seven was linked to a set of legs found at Two Bay Beach in a garbage bag. Found at Two Bay Beach in a garbage bag. Found on Fire Island in April of 1996, y'all. The police release sketches to the public in the hopes that someone would recognize a detail and identify any of these victims. They also posted some pictures of jewelry found on the victims to see if anyone recognized them. In 2016, Officials linked Jane Doe number three to the torso of a woman found in Hempstead Lake Park in 1997. The victim was named Peaches because she had a little tattoo on her chest of peaches. <laughs> now, Peaches is said to be a black woman between the ages of 20 to 30 years old. By 2016, police began creating an image of this serial killer. They believed that the killer was a resident from Long Island and familiar with the land, who may have possibly been someone familiar with law enforcement. Now, Shannon Gilbert's body was eventually found in a marsh a mile from Oak Beach, where she was last reported. Now, the odd thing about this victim is, to this day, police rule her death 
an accident. The night Shannon went missing, she made three 911 calls. One call was over 22 minutes long, where she claimed that she was being chased and going to be killed. But police claimed that she was suffering from paranoia due to drugs she had taken and ran into the marsh on her own and drowned. However, toxicology shows that she had marks that show she may have been strangled. Now, police still have not considered her a victim of the Long Island serial killer, but her family and a lot of other people beg to differ. The night she went missing, she also knocked on a few homes near where she was, screaming that someone was after her. A woman even called the police, but when police arrived to the area, Shannon was gone. What's even more strange is that in July of 2016, Shannon Gilbert's mother, who had aggressively been pursuing her daughter's case and pushing police to investigate more, became a victim of a stabbing and was found dead in her daughter Sarah Gilbert's apartment. Now, Sarah suffered from schizophrenia and to this day claims her innocence. She would never kill her mother. She was eventually charged and found guilty of her mother's murder. In December of 2015, the FBI joined in on this investigation to help search. More bodies have since been found, but they cannot fully link them to the Long Island serial killer without any hard evidence. I believe they found five more possible victims. Of course, it is suspected that authorities know more details that they haven't shared. For now, the identity of the Long Island serial killer is a mystery. Chills, y'all. Chills. So although Shannon Gilbert's disappearance jump-started the search, police had already found victims in the 90s, but they didn't have enough evidence to name the suspect a serial killer. So crazy. Now, identified victim Melissa Bartholomew was a strange case as well. After she went missing, a man using Melissa's cell phone would call her sister on more than one occasion and mock her. He even called and said, your sister is dead. Eventually, the calls did stop. So this killer is pretty genius, and I only say that because he disperses parts of his victims in different locations, miles from each other, making it 10 times harder to solve who these victims are. I mean, police are finding pieces of these bodies within these giant time frames of years passing, and then they have to piece them together like a puzzle. That's insane and definitely time consuming. However, I will say that he's an idiot because he chooses to stay in the same area or state that we know of. I mean, if he lives around that specific area, definitely stupid. But I have a theory. What are the chances that this person vacations here but live somewhere else, right? Because why would you dump these victims in an area you live near or close to? But from what I know, in what I study, <laughs> serial killers tend to hide victims somewhere close because especially if he's putting them along the road, this is a road he must drive down often. Because one, he's just chucking body parts in bags along the road. Two, if he's driving past all these bodies all the time, he's probably feeling real good, right? So I, I guess I get it, but scary though, scary. 
Now, sex workers are brave. I just got to say that because I could never, I could never go meet a stranger. Mm -mm. So since all of this has been discovered, there actually have been a few suspects thought to be the Long Island serial killer. So one guy was John Bitrolf. He was born in 1966 and he was found guilty of murdering two escorts. One of those victims was Rita Tangretti, whose daughter was best friends with Melissa Bartholomew, who was a victim of the Long Island serial killer. Now, Bitrolf also lived just three miles from where two of the victims were found. Today, he's serving two life sentences for those two escorts he found, he murdered. Couldn't find the cause of death of those escorts because if it's strangulation, guilty. <laughs> he still remains a suspect in the Long Island killings, but is yet to be charged, most likely because they can't really tie him to anyone of the victims yet, and not enough evidence. And when you don't have enough evidence, you don't charge someone because you can miss your opportunity. So... He's still a suspect, though. Another suspect was James Bissett. Now, he was a co-owner of the Long Island Nursery that was a major supplier of, guess what? Burlap sacks. Oh, yeah. So, days after Shannon Gilbert's remains were found, Bissett died by suicide. Very interesting. And lastly, James Burke, who was a Long Island police chief who played into some pretty shady scheming involving blocking the FBI from certain information about the Long Island serial killer. It was a huge deal. They went to court and all this. Yeah. But the craziest part is a friend of Melissa Bartholomew, who was also an escort, is convinced that Burke is the Long Island killer. After attending a party in 2011 in Oak Beach, she claims that she saw Burke drag a woman of Asian descent to the ground by pulling her hair. Interesting. Now, the new district attorney in Long Island has vowed to find the identity of the Long Island killer, but there have been no updates as of yet. I hope it's because they're really investigating. Next, we have one very close to home. I'm talking about the Chicago Strangler. And if you're from my area, have you ever heard of this? Because I have not. <laughs> and it's terrifying. Currently, the Chicago Strangler is thought to have 70 plus victims since 2001. You guys, this is the one that scared me. I mean literally in my back hood, but it's good to be informed. So what we do know, this killer may hold the highest body count of any active serial killer to date. Between 2001 and 2018, 75 women have been strangled to death in the Chicagoland area. Most of these women were found dumped in alleys, trash cans, abandoned buildings, which right away tells you that these victims come from and are found in low-poverty neighborhoods. Something very common that we see often with serial killers, they choose these women, escorts, sex workers, prostitutes, whatever you call them, in these low-poverty neighborhoods because they know that the police don't care, which is really sad. I mean, 75 women, and I've never heard about this. And I've lived here my whole fucking life. That is really messed up. 
And if you don't see anything wrong with that, then you are part of the problem too. Stay woke. I'm not even joking. Now, these women were predominantly black and between the ages of 16 and 58. So this is a hungry-ass, cold-blooded murderer. And a big number of them were found in Washington Park, which is on the south side of Chicago. And also, a lot of them were found in Garfield Park, which if you're from around here, then you know that these two areas are pretty bad areas. Lots of crimes, lots of shootings, murders, etc. And because of this, these killings were not really talked about, especially on the news. Not until 2018, when the police got involved with MAP. MAP, better known as MAP, stands for Murder Accountability Project. So what they pretty much do is they use an algorithm to connect the similar murders to show that they were indeed dealing with a serial killer. So in 2001, six victims were found in abandoned buildings and alleyways. The killings were about two months apart, no more than two months apart at least, and all were found strangled to death. The following year, 2002, an almost exact pattern also occurred. Same way of killing, similar locations, same type of victim profile. Over the next 12 years, 34 more women fall victim to the Chicago Strangler. However, authorities noticed that the killings halt for a three-year period. In 2014, Velma Howard is found strangled to death. And after that, silence until 2017, when victims began showing up again. Four more were found in 2018. This killer has a very consistent pattern, except for those three years when they went silent. Now, police believe that the suspect was arrested for something during that time period and served a three-year sentence, which also justified one person was doing all of the killing. Now, during all this time, there have been multiple witnesses. So, using these reports, police have created a profile of three different individuals. For sure, they know that the killer is from the Chicagoland area. Victims have been found from way up north to way down south in Chicago. So they are definitely familiar with the area, meaning this person can possibly be a truck driver, a taxi driver, which I agree with them, but literally could be anybody. To this day, Chicago police still do not really notify the media about these killings, and it is unknown if there have been any more since 2018. No suspects have been named as of yet, but authorities claim that with this information from MAP, they can start to build the case. You guys, 75 victims. No FBI involvement that I know of. CPD, do better, please. Now I will say, however, I don't know, but I would be really shocked if this killer was a white male. I would. I would be super shocked. Just because the areas that these victims are being found, to me, a white male would be very noticeable. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe I'm wrong. Be careful out there, mi gente. Please be careful. And that's really all they have on the Chicago Strangler. 
After 75 victims, they have nothing to go on. And that right there shows you how much involvement CPD has with this. They don't care. One more for you guys because my anxiety is rising. I can feel it. <laughs> now this one is also well known and not in any specific location, which makes it scary. I am talking about the smiley face killer or killers. Yes, some claim that a group may be responsible for these killings because they happen in different states. Now, I know online people claim to have debunked this, claim that it's fake, but it's still odd and it still needs to be made aware. I'll give my opinion at the end. Let me just... <laughs> Let me just get into it. On December 15, 2016, Dakota James called his friend Shelly late into the evening. Quote, I'm so cold and I don't know where I am. Please help. End quote. He told her where he was near, so she drove to the area, immediately worried. It was a really cold night in Pittsburgh, and as the friend got closer to where James said he was, she decided to check his location and realized... He was nowhere near where he said he'd be. So instead of being north, he was way south. So she called him and noticed he was really out of it and kept saying how cold he was. He told her he couldn't remember how he got to where he was and that he was walking in the middle of the street. When she arrived, she sees James stumbling out of a hotel towards a black SUV. Now the SUV was suspicious. Right away she noticed it was parked on the wrong side of the road facing the opposite direction. So Shelly panics and screams his name and catches his attention. He starts walking to her car completely dazed and confused, yet still walking pretty straight and the SUV peels off. Now the whole situation was weird and according to James, he claims that he went to the bar nearby at about 7.15 p.m. He was in the company of some people from work, but says that almost immediately he remembers nothing after getting to the bar. He wasn't drunk and could not account for the last four hours. He was very confused and disoriented, and without a doubt, James knew that he had been drugged. Terrified, he told his friend that he was done talking about it, and just wanted to forget it. However, five weeks after this incident, once again, Dakota James goes out with the same group of co-workers and disappears. 40 days later, his body is found in the Ohio River. GHB was found in his bloodstream, which if you don't know what GHB is, that's pretty much the date rape drug. And oddly enough, the body was in very good condition, even though it had been missing for 40 days. There were, however, some marks found on his neck that may have come from strangulation. Even so, his death was still ruled an accidental drowning, stating that he fell off the Roberto Clement Bridge while walking home, very intoxicated, from the bar. Police found 11 smiley faces graffitied on the bridge James was said to have fallen off of. When people heard this story, they were not happy and wanted this death investigated. With what had happened only weeks prior and the drugs found in his system, how could authorities not think that this was suspicious? Here's some other reasons why his death was suspicious. 
Two days after he went missing, a transaction was made on his credit card. If he fell into the water the night he went missing, how'd that happen? <laughs> right? Then there's the fact that his body was in almost perfect condition, yet police claimed he must have fallen in the night he went missing and has been in the water for 40 days. Yet he looks like he just got in there. Now the reason I share this mystery surrounding Dakota James' death is because there have been many murders just like this that have been blamed on accidental drowning. So these two retired um, New York detectives, Gannon and Duarte, they noticed a pattern with these accidental drownings, air quote, and they used their expertise to come up with this theory that these strange drownings might actually be connected somehow. The way they connected these cases is that the victims were all male, Caucasian, between the ages of 18 and 22, athletically built and good physique, very smart, and most times very popular guys, very well liked. Most times the victims are from a bar, club, or a party, and the victims are also described as seeming very drunk but only having one or two drinks and in some odd cases, no drinks at all which is very strange. Almost all the victims were found to have the date rape drug in their system. I mean, come on, y'all. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh. I mean, nobody takes a date rape drug for fun, right? So how can police, like, not think that's suspicious? I, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Lastly, they are all found dead in a body of water just days after going missing. Some, like Dakota James, showed signs of injury not consistent with drowning. But the craziest part of all, these victims were found in an area or location where a smiley face was graffitied. So this trend was recognized by one of the retired detectives in 1997. On April 7th, Patrick McNeil was found off a pier in the Bay Ridge section in Brooklyn. He had marks on his neck and charring on his torso and hands. Now his body too was found oddly in the water, not really fitting a typical drowning victim. He was last seen weeks before his body was found leaving a bar heavily intoxicated. Some witnesses noticed that this car was slowly following behind him as he walked. But even with all this evidence, McNeil's death was still ruled. Mm-hmm. A drowning. Now, anything to close a case, right? To date, at least 300 other cases, just like these two, have been reported in the U.S. in over 25 separate cities, mostly on the East Coast. Typically, these crimes happen in a very short time span, so like within a few months, and then it stops, and then it happens again. So what the hell is happening, right? So the retired detectives came up with this theory. So these men were being drugged and then they would leave the bar looking completely shit-faced to bystanders so that bystanders could say, oh yeah, I did see him. He was really drunk. Oh, he was so drunk. Yeah, pretty smart if you ask me, but... Now eventually as they are stumbling home, they are picked up by a vehicle and held against their will possibly being tortured for reasons unknown before being killed and then thrown into a body of water. But the detectives don't think that one person could be responsible 
for all these murders in different cities. So Detective Gannon says it may be a group of serial killers. A group, y'all. Now it's smarter to spread out the killings to different locations because harder for authorities to catch on. I mean, 300 of these similar cases and they still can't put them together. But also the fact that they leave the graffitied smiley faces near where the bodies are. I mean, come on. So why are police turning the other cheek and ignoring all of this? Well, they claim that the drownings are pretty common and happen often. They're simply accidental deaths. But what I want to talk about with the smiley face killer or killers is to be fair, I have seen many graffiti smiley faces everywhere. And I've been to many places. I've seen them in Mexico. It's a pretty common graffiti to see, you know? Like, I mean, if I had a freaking paint can, I'd probably graffiti a smiley face because that's all I can make, you know? So, coincidence, possibly strange, for sure, but possibly a coincidence. Secondly, if these men are being given drugs in a bar or whatever, and then the person who's drugging them waits for them outside of the bar or club or wherever, like, what is the intention? Like, are these men being tested for rape? Because yes, they can also be raped. Why are police not finding it odd that these men are all being found with the date rape drug in their system? Why are they not paying attention to the marks on their bodies? I just, yeah. <laughs> you would think a police officer would know the difference between a drowned victim and someone who has strangulation marks on their neck. So I looked it up and it's still a theory. The smiley face killer is still a theory, still ongoing. I'm not sure. Actually, I think it was last year in Chicago, there was a strange story of a guy who was simply going to walk to Walgreens. I think I talked about this on one of my episodes as an updater story. Now I might get the details wrong because I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but he was gonna walk from like his apartment to Walgreens and then never came back. And it was like a cold winter night too. And then they found him drowned a few days later in the lake. I remember that story. I don't remember if they mentioned anything about the smiley face killer, but I do know there have been some in Chicago. Be careful out there, gentlemen and women. Be very careful. These serial killers are still on the loose. They are still active. And that alone is terrifying. I mean, a serial killer can be anyone. It can be your neighbor, your husband, your daddy, your sister, brother, mother. Be careful, y'all. <laughs> Trust no one, remember? All right, we're going to end the night. So instead of a listener story, I have a story for you that actually happened to me today. <laughs> so I am sitting and writing my outline for this episode and trying to get all my notes together and all of that and it takes some time and so I'm really into my work and I heard so I heard the door at the end of the basement open it's a very squeaky old door so it was like eh. and then I heard it close no I heard it open and then Usually when somebody opens it and they walk towards the back of the basement, it takes a second, but eventually that door closes. 
So that's what I heard. I heard it open. I didn't hear any footsteps or any movement. And then I heard it close slowly. And I didn't think anything of it because I'm not home alone. So then I started writing again. And then nobody ever came <laughs> to the back room. So I went, I opened the, the back room up. I opened the door and nobody was there. Mind you, my dog is with me. My Lolita is with me in this back room and she didn't bark or move or anything. I did not feel scared. Anytime anything ever happens in this room, I never feel scared. Yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting and that kind of scared me. But again, I didn't feel terrified or like something bad, you know? <laughs> So that was just a quick little story I wanted to share with you guys. If you enjoyed this episode today, make sure to go leave me a five-star rating and a review. And if your review is funny enough, nice enough, awesome enough, I will definitely read it on the next episode. If you don't want anyone to see, just email me a review. Let me know what you think of the show. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe you want to hear me talk about something else. Email me at creepychisme for you. That's the number 4-Y-O-U at gmail.com. Send in your spooky stories. I want to hear everything. Send me your Tia Concha's favorite scary stories, premonition. I want to hear everything, y'all. Don't forget to find me on Facebook groups. Just search Creepy Chisme. Find me on Instagram at Creepy Chisme. Go like all the posts. And don't forget, don't miss out on my short stories on TikTok. Also at Creepy Chisme. I'm going to go get some rest. Stay safe, y'all. Keep your eyes open. Look for anything suspicious. Gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the chisme. Adios, mi gente. Thank <laughs> you.